Um, I grew up in a place where you couldn't talk about defeat. I'm just going to be honest with you. If you talked about defeat, it was like you were giving the enemy credit. But the reality is God never said that we wouldn't go through the storms of the valley and that darkness wouldn't be all around us. What he said was the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against the church. That's what he said. And he said, let not your heart be troubled, right? In John 14, starting in 1, he told his disciples, hey, there's going to be trouble, right? Because why would he say, let your heart not be troubled if there wasn't going to be trouble, <laughs> right? And he said, listen, you don't have to be troubled because guess what? I'm going to prepare a place for you that one day none of this darkness, pain, or suffering is going to exist, Here's the other thing that I think we discount in the church sometimes. And this is not the sermon today, but I'm keeping my time because I always get stuck on a little tangent for a second, okay? But listen, I think sometimes as a church, we're, we're quick to dismiss the question, well, if he's so good, then why does he allow evil and suffering in the world? Right? Has anybody ever asked that before? If he's so good, then why does that happen in the world? Right, Brett was just showing me a little breaking news that two officers were shot in Baton Rouge right now. Right? So we need to be praying for the, those families and for the other people that are, and we'll do that in just a second, but it, it's because our definition of good pales into comparison to a one who's infinite in his wisdom and his ways. That's the first place you have to start. Right? Romans 8.28, we're going to be reading that today. I was reading some commentary in some of the early, earliest manuscripts. And listen, for those that are Reformed today, I'm not trying to get on a Reformed bandwagon or the other way, but some of you may know what that is and some of you don't. But some of the early manuscripts, it says that God causes. That's a scary word, isn't it? Or God ordains or God allows, right? Go read that scripture that way and see if it doesn't get your panties in a wad a little bit, Okay. By the way, if you're new, we say panties in the water around here. We're not trying to be offensive. We just, sometimes we go a little PG-13 and it makes people mad. But um, anywho, we'll, go, we'll move on to the next one, okay? But listen, this is why we have to get in the gospel. Because the answers for these things are in the truth and the gospel of Christ. They're not found in a man unless his name is Jesus because he is the truth, Right? not found in a denomination it's found in the gospel of jesus christ right listen i'm encouraging you this morning to to get in the gospel because i promise you there will be people and there's people here today that are asking those kind of questions right you ever ask that you ever ask god why am i going through this you've been mad at god before i have i'm just gonna be real with you i've been upset with god god this isn't fair you ever said that before Right? I've even screamed going down the highway before. Like that's going to make a, a difference. But it felt good for about two or three minutes, okay? But listen, those are the kind of things that God wants you to bring to him because he wants you to search him. He wants you to seek him out with your whole heart so that you will find him. Right? He doesn't want us to play hide and seek. He's already made the first move. He wants us now to reciprocate that and go after him the way that he has radically pursued us. Because it's only with that type of fervor and passion that we will ultimately find him. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's pray real quick. We're gonna, and then we're going to study God's word just for a few minutes. Father, we love you today. And God, listen, this world is chaotic. It's jacked up. It's messed up. 
the depravity and the wickedness of man is just at an all-time high. And us as Christians shouldn't be shocked by it because you said it was going to be this way in your gospel. You said that in the last days, people would be lovers of themselves, that they would be selfish, prideful, boastful. So, Father, we're now we just pray for those families that are involved in every situation. God, on those that have been hurt and those on the law enforcement side, we pray for all of this. God, but here's the real answer. It's you. The answer is not in politics. The answer is not even in our government. The answer is in you. So, Father, I pray for this nation right now. That, Holy Spirit, you'd begin to convict the hearts. God, I pray that some of our leaders would have a Paul on his way to Damascus experience, God. That you would knock them down, Father. That you would show them that you hold the hearts of every ruler in your hand. And whichever way you choose to turn it, they will bow to you. Because you are infinite, righteous, holy, and good. Let us return to that. May your peace, God, sweep this nation. Right now, Father, God, we love you. We thank you that we get an opportunity to study your word today. And we give you all the glory and honor. Amen and amen. Listen, I'm going to ask this. I'm going to be very transparent this morning. By the way, if you're brand new, we have notes in the back of every other chair. There's some on the front row here. And listen, let me just, I'm going to be very transparent in just a second, but let me a couple of things. We are still trying to get the air conditioner thing right. Okay, so if you're a little hot, let me just tell you, this is cold section, this is cold section, this is semi-warm section, hot, and a little bit of cold right there in the middle. Now, that shows you how OCD I am about the whole air conditioning thing, (laughs) that I've actually mapped this thing out. I've actually thought about making a map and handing it out to people to say, depending on your body temperature, where to go, okay? But if you're brand new today, there's some notes in the back of the chair or every other chair for everyone, but if you don't know that, we just like to have those for you to follow along with us. The other thing is if you're brand new and you're visiting with us today, there's a little black card in the back of every chair. Sometime between now and the end of service, okay, would you fill that out? And there's a little brown box that we want you to put that in right out here outside the sanctuary. And that just lets us connect with you, tell you thank you for um, connecting with us. But here's what I want to be very transparent in. Because all those that know me know that I've always been real about things. And listen, my heart is this. I hope that all of you know that I never preach from a standpoint that says, I know more than you and I'm better than you. Because that's not the Bible. What I preach a heart out of is I'm struggling and running this race just like you are. And some days, guess what? They're really honky-dory, to use an old term. And some days, I feel like taking this right here and throwing it about 30 feet across the room. Now, I know that's not super spiritual to hear that from a pastor, but really, a pastor is just a title. I need Jesus just as badly as you do. Do you understand that? Here's why I tell you that today. Can I, can I put an, an earnest request out there for you? Would you pray for me and my family? The enemy has been attacking us a lot lately in our family. Okay, and I don't mean that in a scary way, like Gina and I are getting divorced and like that. Some of you are like, oh my God, what's going on, right? That's not what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is the enemy has been on all-out war against us because he wants us to quit. So would you do that this week? I'm not, I'm not lifting myself and my family. I'm just saying that if there's a time that I really need your prayers, is now is the time. Can I be honest with you? Is that okay to say that? I mean, I'm just honest, man, right? I need prayers too. It's not like me and God are just sitting here in the throne room together and everybody else is out here. 
right? We're all bent towards evil and wicked things. And the only help that we have is the Holy Spirit in our lives that gives us the power to either choose those things or Jesus. You understand? So would you pray for us this week? And I promise to pray for you. I pray for you guys pretty much every day. I'd lie and say it if I said it every day, but pretty much every day I do. I lift up Celebration Church and all of your things, and I'm just, just praying for that. Man, I just, I just want to turn the tide on the enemy a little bit, okay? And uh, if I do this multiple times today, it's because there is no air up here for whatever reason. And I feel like that uh, Taco Bell burrito that's been underneath that heat lamp for way too long, but they still try to sell it anyways. You know what I'm talking about? That's what I'm starting to feel like right now, okay? All right, so let's get to it. Hebrews 12.1. We have been in a series called Running with the Giants, thus the person running, right, on the screen. Did you guys get that? All right, all right. That's how cheesy we are sometimes. But anyhow, um, we have been talking about running with the giants, and we started with Noah, right? Everybody remember Noah? And today we're going to be in the book of Esther. And listen, I say this every Sunday. This is not meant to be your main source of Bible devotion and study time. Church was never meant to be that, right? This should be a supplement to what you're living daily in God's word. That's the reason we give the notes so that you can make notes and the Holy Spirit can speak things to you and that you can share that. So today we're going to be in the book of Esther. Listen, we're giving you a 30,000 foot view and we're not going through every little thing, okay? So I want to encourage you to go read these stories and not take my word for it. Hebrews 12.1, let's read it real quickly. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. I'm not going to go back through and expound on these things because we've talked about it for six weeks, okay? And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Now, let me just say this. Hebrews 12.1 doesn't make sense unless you read Hebrews 11, right? Because you don't know who the cloud of witnesses is. Right. That'd be like opening up a book. Right. And just open it to the middle chapter and try to read the main characters. You don't know who they are. Right. So the great cloud of witnesses, the author of Hebrews is primarily writing to Jewish Christians in this book. And he's reminding them that those Old Testament saints that went before these saints who are possibly thinking about abandoning their faith. Some of them are not even Christians yet, or they're brand new Christians, and there's persecution going all around. He's reminding them, hey, he's marked out a race with you, and you can run with endurance and perseverance. Why? Because the lives of the Old Testament saints testify that perseverance is possible. You see? Now, we've been taking more of a figurative approach about thus the guy with the Nike shoes or girl, I don't know who it is, you know, what kind of, what the gender is, right? And so we've been saying, listen, if you are running this race and Noah or Moses or Esther or whoever ran a lap with you, what would they, what would they speak to you, right? You ever been running with someone before, right? You guys kind of, you, you guys trying to, to talk or at least I try to talk for the first lap and then I get tired, right? Then I can't talk anymore, which, by the way, we haven't ran in a little while, so I don't want you to think I'm actually running because I'm not, okay? But listen, right, what would, what would they speak to you? Well, here's one thing that we think Esther would, would speak, okay? It says, for when you are uncertain about your purpose, and it's there on your sheet there if you have it in front of you, for when you are uncertain about your purpose, God has a place for you, Right? So here, here's what I want you to see today. I want you to see today in this story that we're going to briefly, let me, let me say that again, for when you are uncertain about your purpose, God has a place for you. And here's what I want you to see today in this short time that we have together. I want you to see today how God's providence 
right? In other words, here's why you can run the race if you don't know this. Okay? You can run the race because God is in control. And when you fully understand that and begin to understand that, it makes running this race, race not easy, right? But it makes it easier knowing that he's in control. No matter what happens to me on this race, he's already won. You see? Right? Well, how do I know that? Because I read the Bible. Right? And remember, we talked about a few weeks ago that fear and fear not is in the Bible over 365 times, yet Christians are the most fearful people on the planet, myself included. Doesn't when something go wrong, don't we just fall apart? Right? This is very convicting for me, too. Right? But we're so quick to sing songs about faith and get hyped up about faith, and then two hours after church when something devastating happens, our whole life falls apart. Listen, I'm not discounting what you're going through. But what I'm highlighting today is his providence and his goodness, right? That's what I'm trying to get to as we're running this race. Because if you ever started running with a lot of good intentions in the natural, you even got the nice pair of sh- uh, uh, shoes, didn't you? You went and got the good Nikes. You know what I'm talking about? The little free airs that feel like socks. And you got the cute little suit that you're going to wear out in the track. And then you get out there and you run one lap and you're like, oh, snap, man. This was a lot harder. I, what's going on with these Nikes, man? They're not working for me, right? You ever been there or gone to the gym and that kind of kind of done that you went with all this mm, then three days later you're like oh you know right that's kind of what happens to us sometimes in the christian faith is we start off especially new christians you remember when you were a new christian you were seven foot tall and bulletproof weren't you man you would jack slap somebody for jesus what you'd be like shut up boy just get saved right but little by little that race man we just started getting beat up a little bit didn't we And that excitement, right, kind of waned. And the reality is faith is not just a feeling. Right? I've been in services like that where we all get juiced up on faith, drink a little bit of the Holy Spirit faith, you know what I'm talking about? And then three hours later, it's all gone, isn't it? It's like eating Chinese food. You're really full for about an hour, and then it gets rid. If you're Chinese today, I'm not hating. I'm just saying, okay? Isn't that the truth? You're like, thank God for MSG, right? Okay, here we go. All right? So I want you to see how God's providence in our active faith, in other words, I don't want to mislead people, and I haven't talked about this this much, very much lately, but our faith is active, right? Now, it's a gift that he is given by grace, but now legitimate, genuine faith is active. How do I know that? Go read the book of James. I'm not going to tell you. James is not saying that I'm earning faith by being active. What he's saying is that if my heart is truly changed and I have genuine, legitimate faith, then I am called. My heart is compelled. I long and I desire to serve others and to serve God to bring glory to him. You see? So it's an active faith, and you're going to see that today. We don't just sit back in like the chair and be like, okay, God, just give me whatever. You're just like chilling, right? Right? Now, we do rest in what he's already done. That's saving faith because he's already done the perfect work. If Jesus hasn't done the perfect work, then we're all in trouble, and this whole thing is a sham. Right? Okay, so let's read Esther 2, 5 through 7. Now, there was a Jew who lived in a palace, and it's going to be on the screen, and then we have some Bibles out there for you as well, who lived in a palace complex in Susa. 
His name was Mordecai, the son of Jer, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish. Now think about that for a minute. This is my sense of humor, and Holy Spirit, help me get back to the verse really quick, okay? That makes me laugh that you have that many titles in your name. That'd be like me going, this is my friend John, the son of Steel, the, <laughs> the son of Auburn Community, the son of a, the Benjamite. And John's like, look at my name is just John. He didn't need to go through all those things, okay? Right? That's a, it's just so funny here. The, the Bible sometimes, the son of Kish, a Benjamite, okay? Which, by the way, if you don't know anything about church history, the tribe of Benjamin was the only tribe that went to the south and aligned themselves with the tribe of Judah. And who came from the tribe of Judah? Jesus, okay? So these things are important to, to know, right? All right, here we go. His ancestors had been taken from Jerusalem with the exiles and carried off with King Jehoiachin of Judah by King Nebuchadnezzar the Babylon into exile. Once again, I don't have time to get into all this, but some of you may remember this if you've studied church history, that God prophesied through his prophets that the children of Israel, because of their idolatry and wickedness, would be taken captive, right? The northern kingdom first by Assyria and then ultimately by Babylon, the whole kingdom. Okay, so for 70 years, now think about this for a minute, because we don't like to talk about sin in the Western American church, do we? It doesn't, you know, kind of makes people feel uncomfortable. But God judged them for 70 years. They paid for their wicked idolatry, their pagan worship, right? So here's the point I'm trying to make to you. God is serious about sin, right? He's serious, man. Could you imagine waiting for 70 years? How much complaining and murmuring do you think we would do in 70 years? You've forgotten about us, God, which they did, right? I think sometimes when we read the Bible, we think that they're like different kind of people than we are, and the reality is they had an insidious heart just like we do, <laughs> right? All right, so Mordecai had reared his cousin Hadassah, otherwise known as Esther, since she had no father or mother. In other words, her parents had passed away, Right? And Mordecai adopted her, if you will, and is now raising Esther. The girl had a good figure and a beautiful face. See, God likes you to date beautiful people. Right? I think that's so funny right there that the Bible would put that in. It's like, could you imagine if the Holy Spirit impressed you to write this and you're like, she had a good figure. Is that what you told me to say, Holy Spirit? And a beautiful face? Right? Now, does anybody else ever read the Bible and think stuff like that? Or am I just the only weird one out here? Right? You're like, man, the Holy Spirit's awesome, right? He doesn't mind if I have a woman with a good figure and a beautiful face, right? After her parents died, Mordecai had adopted her. Now, let me, let me give you some tidbits here, okay? I'm going to go through these really quickly. Let me give you some Esther facts because I don't like reading something and then we don't have any, any context. Number one, Esther was written by an unknown, an unknown author. Uh, some people believe Mordecai. Some people, uh, scholars believe Ezra, some and Nehemiah. Right? The Persian Med King here in this particular passage. Some of you know him as Xerxes, right? But that was his Greek name, but his Hebrew name was Ahasuerus. Okay? This book and the book of Ruth are the only Old Testament books named after a woman. Esther occurred during the Persian period of world history. The purpose of the book of Esther is to display the providence of God, especially in regard to his chosen people, Israel. Some of us need to understand that because sometimes when we preach topical or we hear topical preachers, we never get the original audience or the context that this was written for. Does that make sense? So God is showing his providence to his chosen people, Israel. But guess what? It's a foreshadow of what to come that God is faithful in goodness for us, the Gentiles. You understand? 
Once again, these lives, this history is testifying of the goodness of God, right? Listen, here's another thing. This is just kind of a little extra uh, tidbit here. The non-Mosaic feast celebration that is mentioned in this book is celebrated every year. It's called the Feast of Purim or the Feast of Lots. In other words, this was a festival outside of what Moses had instituted, right? And they still celebrate this, right? To celebrate God's goodness, right? The book of Esther shows the choice we make between seeing the hand of God. Now, listen, this is very important. Seeing the hand of God in our circumstances in life and seeing things as merely coincidence. How many people know the Christian doesn't live by luck, fate, and chance? If that's the way you live today, it's going to be a very depressing and very frustrating life. That's why I said in the beginning, you have to know that he's fully in control, right? God is the sovereign ruler of the universe, and we can be assured that his plans will not be moved by the actions of mere evil men. What a timely phrase to say in light of what we're going through in our country today. I see so many Christians freaking out on Facebook, right? We shouldn't be freaking out, man. We should be declaring God's sovereign control over everything, right? Because if not, you're going to be very depressed and very scared and all those other things, all right? So let me ask you this. Have you ever questioned God about why you're here? My purpose, in other words, or why you're going through this, this purpose for this trial of suffering. Has anybody ever questioned God about that? Right? I have. Right? And so that's what we want to show you today is that if you look at Esther, right, if you look at the book of Esther, which that was her Persian name, and then the Bible used Hadassah, which was her Hebrew name, which meant myrtle, like a myrtle tree, okay? But think about this, this, this Esther who grew up in this captivity, who had no parents, right, who was raised by... Mordecai, who so graciously took her in and adopted her, think about how out of place maybe she would have felt, right? In the most jacked up circumstances, but yet God uses her mightily, and we're going to see that today. So number one says finding your place requires great faith and trust. Finding your place requires great faith and trust. Let's look at Esther 2.17. Now the king was attracted to Esther more than any other woman, and she won his favor and approval more than any other virgin, so that he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashati. Okay? Now listen, let, let, me, let me give you some background. There, the king already had a queen, King Xerxes, okay, already had a queen, but she didn't listen to him twice. He had commanded a couple of things to happen, right? And she didn't listen to him. So guess what? He gets angry and just disposes of her. And then his officials come to him and say, hey, just call for all the beautiful young women of the land, and then you choose a new queen. That's pretty harsh, right? He gives two commands, and then he's done. Right? Okay? But this is what's happening here. But listen, even in the midst of all this mist and chaos, God's sovereign plan is at work. See? And so what Esther does is she finds favor in God. Now, faith is believing that God is ultimately working in your current circumstance to bring about his perfect plan in you and through you. Right? Listen, trust is this, that he's going to follow through with everything that he said. Right? It's so easy to declare the faith part, isn't it, sometimes? Oh, I believe you, God. Right? Right? And then a year into this whole thing, guess what? We start questioning if God's really going to follow through. Have you ever been there? God, are you really going to follow through this thing? 
right? And then things start talking to you, don't they? The reason I say things is because we're in a spiritual warfare, and so demonic forces will talk to you. They will. If you don't believe in it, go read the Bible. It's in there, right? They will influence you to abandon the perfect plan of God. Look what the Bible says in Psalm 31, 14, and 15. And guys, we should have that back there. But I trust in you, Lord. I say you are my God. I love that. My times are in your hands. Man, that should be one that we underline. My times are in your hands. My times, even the circumstances, trials, and valleys that I'm going through, they're in your hands. And I trust you that you know what's best for me better than what I know what's best for me, if that made any sense. All right, here we go, right? You are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me, right? Those who pursue me. Number two, finding your place requires great courage, okay? Finding your place requires great courage. Okay, now here's the thing, how I've heard this preached before, that we all get together and we just muster up a whole bunch of courage. And let me ask you this, how's that working for you? Right? This only happens by the Holy Spirit. He gives you the boldness and the courage you need to get through the valley and the trial and the suffering. Now, people don't like hearing things like that because we live in a world today, even in the church, where it's all about seven things to have great courage like Moses or Noah, don't we? Listen, I'm not hating on you if you're one of those people. I'm just saying it's, a, it's this perpetual frustrating thing because there's times I start off on Sunday and I leave here and I'm just like, mm, I'm like Braveheart. Like I'm wailing the spiritual sword, man. I'm ready to go after the whole army and by Monday morning, I'm like, you ever been there? You have to make that noise when you do that, too. It doesn't sound as good. Hmm. You're like, what happened to Braveheart? Right? Right? Have you ever felt that way on a Sunday? You're just like, they may take our lives! You know, you know just like waving this sword, right, and charging the mountain. And then by Monday morning, you're like tucking tail, running the other way. Right? Some of you may even put the war paint on. I don't know, Okay. Listen, Esther 4, 13 through, through 14. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. So here we have the replacement, who's Esther, by King Xerxes, right? She finds favor. Now there's a guy named Haman, who's one of the top king's officials, who got elevated to like the second in charge. And guess what? Ha uh, Esther's. Mordecai, who raised Esther, would not bow down to him. Everybody else bowed down to Haman, and Mordecai would not. So guess what? Mord you know, Haman gets a little ticked off. And then he makes this plan. They cast lots, right, to figure out the time frame of when they're going to destroy all the Jews. And he tricks the king into putting forth a decree to eliminate all the Jews from the different provinces in the land. Right? See? So now Mordecai is going to Esther and going, listen, I've told you not to reveal that you were a Jew, but you're going to have to go to the king now and tell him what's going on, right? This is where we are in verse uh, four, 13 and 14. Do not think that because you are the king's house, you are alone of all the Jews will escape, for you will remain silent at this time, and relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. Let me say this to you. 
God wants to use you and has a perfect plan for you. But what I love what Mordecai declares here is that if you won't speak up, Esther, God will, God's plan will still go forward. Listen, this is for somebody today. Some of you are not serving in the kingdom, wherever that may be. Some of you are not fulfilling the purpose that God has for you. And I don't know what it's for. I, that's not my place to judge that. What I'm saying to you is God has a race and a plan and a purpose for you. And that he wants to use you for the good news to go out into Lee County and the world. But for whatever, you cannot be silent. Do you understand? You cannot be silent, but if you do, what I love about God is it doesn't thwart or modify his plan. That's not in one of these mean preacher type ways either. When I say that, mm, let me sweat profusely and stuff, right? I'm just telling you the, the gospel, the truth, right? Listen, relief and deliverance from the Jews will rise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish, okay? That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? I mean, there's there's no sugar in that one, okay? Here we go. And who knows but that you have come to a royal position, and this is something that we've abused in the church so much, but I'm going to say it for such a time as this. Listen, some of you are at Celebration Church not by accident. It's not because of me. But God, in his providential timing, has you here for such a time as this. Maybe it's to encourage somebody in this audience through your testimony because of what you've gone through. Maybe it's to be on the worship team. Maybe it's for whatever. Maybe God's calling you to preach. But what we've done is we've learned to trust in our own timing versus his providential timing. Right? Because don't we live in a culture that wants things really quickly? I do, don't you? I mean, if it's not on my iPhone like in a, I don't know what kind of second. Chaz will have to help me because he knows all the measurements better than I do. But if it's not there in a second, don't you get a little angry? You're like, what's the matter with this phone? I'm going to get the iPhone 7. Right? Right? I know some of you Pokemon users get mad. Right? You're like, come on, I can't get what I need to get. Which, by the way, if you find any Pokemon figures on Celebration Campus, they're strictly our property, and you have to ask permission before you take them on your app. Okay? I don't want to take any legal action, but I may have to. All right? I'm just teasing. But listen. All right? But we want it instantly, and when we bring that over into our Christian faith, our timing will always frustrate us, won't it? doesn't it? Doesn't your timing always frustrate you? God, why am I going through this? God, it's been six months, right? God, I've been serving in this position for five months, but how come that person only served for one month, and now they're up here, and I'm down here? Let me tell you why, because there's no such thing in the kingdom God is here and there. God's like, I don't want you to have a title, and I'm not interested in your comfort. I'm interested in cultivating character in you, and I'm interested in you really finding your purpose in the midst of that trial and that valley so that I can truly use you just like these cloud of witnesses so that your life may cheer on others that go after you or that are walking alongside of you for my glory. See, that's where the courage comes from, right? From the Holy Spirit. This is making sense? Everybody good? All right. I love what John Piper says. He says, Christian courage is the willingness to say and do the right thing regardless of the earthly cost because God promises 
to help you and save you on account of Christ. Isn't that good? You can trust that no matter what the cost is, that he is going to fulfill his end. Number three is finding your place requires great focus on God. Great focus on God. Now, I don't know how many of you people grew up in the Karate Kid era, but my wife will tell you every time the Karate Kid comes, my whole life shuts down and I'm glued to the TV, especially the first one. Daniel's son sucks me in and Mr. Miyagi, and don't lie, some of you know what I'm talking about. You do the wax on, wax on thing like I did, right? I used to love to do the grain kick. Actually, listen, we grew up very poor, but man, I had my mom buy me one of those Daniel Sun bandanas. You know what I'm talking about? That he wrapped around his head. Man, I perfected that crane kick. Boy, I could do it better than Daniel Sun. Here's the thing. I actually tried it in a real fight one time and got my butt kicked. It didn't work, okay? Right? But the reason I bring that up, right? I was, man, I was like, I thought this guy was going to run away. He's way bigger than me, and I was talking trash, Right? That was the little man syndrome in me, I guess, trying to overcompensate. And, man, I got that crane kick ready to go. Man, I thought, this is going to scare this dude. It didn't. Let me just put it that way. Okay? So, anyhow, God had to teach me a lesson that uh, sometimes the things in the movies don't necessarily translate into real life. Okay? So, if that's you, then you will learn that really quickly as well. Okay? But, listen, great focus on God. And the reason I brought that up is because... Mr. Miyagi was always telling him, focus on your son, focus on your son, wasn't he? He was always focused on your son, right? right? That's what he was saying to him. Finding your place requires great focus. Listen, I need you to hear this today. Your purpose is not about you getting the glory. Your purpose, but rather God getting the glory through you. If you haven't figured this out by now, go read the Bible that God is all about getting glory. He says it multiple times. And the reason I, we put this in here is because sometimes when we're trying to accomplish the purpose that God has for us, it becomes very me-centered, right? Well, I can't, I can't fulfill my purpose because they won't let me play the bass or they won't let me play the keys or they don't let me share my gift up here in the pulpit. That's me-centered. Instead of, God, I'm just going to humble myself, and when you're ready, you're going to lift me up according to your scripture because I trust your timing that your purpose in my life will be fulfilled at the right time. Right? You ever done that? I've done it. Who does Brent think he is? He's up there singing. He's only been here three weeks. Darn that, Brent. Right? And then all of a sudden now there's something between me and Brent. Right? And we let something like this so trivial stand in the way of God truly fulfilling his purpose in us. Right? All right. So finding your place requires great focus on God. Let me read you pre- Proverbs 25, 2. This is, a, uh, this is the NLT version. It says, in God's, it's God's privilege to conceal things and the king's privilege to discover them. Listen, this is what I was talking about in the very beginning, that some of us don't understand why God is this all-benevolent God and good God and why there's evil and suffering. Listen. The glory of God to conceal things a matter, to search out a matter, is the glory of kings. Okay? We get the privilege to open up this gospel and say, Holy Spirit, speak to me the things that I don't understand. But can I just be honest with you? There are going to be some things that you never, ever, ever, our finite minds will ever comprehend. Right? Let me give you one. How God's sovereign timing and control works with our human choice and responsibility. Those that have studied the Bible in here know that, know that, don't they? 
And you get some guys that try to, mmm, I know. I know what it is. No, you don't. Right? Because there's way smarter people than us that could not figure it out. But it doesn't excuse us from still searching the scriptures and focusing on God and say, illuminate. Why would the Holy Spirit not illuminate the truths that he inspired through another man to you? It's the same Holy Spirit. Right? All right. Number four, finding your place requires great initiative. Great initiative. Esther 4.16, I will go to the king even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Okay? If I perish, I perish. In other words, Esther still had to make a decision and take the initiative. Listen to me. The Christian walk is an active thing. That's why there's plenty of references to a race and a fight in the New Testament. Right? It's an active thing. The thing is, it's not you acting in your own power, or your own strength. That's why we said early on is that if you are the object of your faith, you will quit the race about less than a mile into it because yourself will always let you down and yourself will always frustrate you, okay? So finding your place requires great initiative. Now we're born again. We're part of the, the, the kingdom of God. Now we have to take action. Let me ask you something. This is rhetorical, but let me ask you something. What is holding you back today? What's holding you back? You ever asked yourself that? What's holding me back from fulfilling the purpose that God has for me? Am I just back here sitting, pouting, waiting for someone to ask me? Well, if that's the case, then stay back there and pout for a long time. God's looking for people that will take initiative and go. Remember the prophet Isaiah, and we quote the scripture all the time, say, here I am, Lord, send me. Well, we like that to be a feel-good passage, but the reality is the people that he was being sent to (laughs) didn't really care what he had to say. Right? It wasn't like this happy ministry thing where we just go down and got a cushy parsonage and salary deal. Right? In other words, I have to take the initiative, even like Esther, and say, even if it costs me my very life, for your glory, I will go. Even to a people that won't listen to me. Even if you go to South Tupelo and only five people ever come for five years, I still will go because I trust in the purpose that you have for me and I trust in your timing. You see? I mean, it doesn't sound really cool. Right, because we want God to like do it instantly, man. We want to do that. We want we want God to be like the microwave at home, don't we? We just push popcorn for two minutes and popcorn's there, right? That's that's how we like to do things. All right. So final words as we close shop today. Esther's words of encouragement for us. Number one. Right, I tell you what. Let me let me back up just for a second. I, I want to say something. I, I I missed a little note here that I want to say. Here's the thing that I think some people is holding them back, okay? And I want to just make this one point and then we'll move on. I forgot to, to say it. I think sometimes God or the enemy makes us think that God is looking for perfection. <laughs> okay? Now, there is a doctrine out there called perfectionism, all right? And listen, I'm not trying to argue and fight with you and you can take me out to eat afterwards and we can discuss it. By the way, I like steals and other places, but, you know, we can discuss it over a nice, healthy lunch, okay? But listen, right? That was a joke for some of you that didn't understand that, okay? Listen, God isn't looking for perfection, okay? 
Jesus already did that. Listen, this is for somebody today because you're letting this hold you back from feeling. You're trying to be perfect to earn your way into some position or purpose. When Jesus was already perfect so you could have the purpose that God has predestined for you before the beginning of the the foundations of the world. Come on. He's already done it. He said it's finished in John 19.30. It either is finished or it isn't finished. Which one is it? It is finished, right? Listen, but he is looking for us or he is looking for progression in our lives. Not perfection, but progress. It's a big fancy term that some of us call sanctification. Okay? Listen, I feel like I needed to back up and say that because I feel like that's for someone today is that you're trying to be perfect because maybe the church taught you that that you grew up in, maybe the people around you, maybe you've seen these people on TV and you go, oh, man, they're so perfect, I'll never be like them. And you strive your whole life to live up to this thing of spirituality and the reality is Jesus is like, I already was perfect on your behalf. You will never be perfect, so just rest and trust in me and let me work in you by my spirit. And help you progress and help you run the race, right? Okay, listen, some of us are lacking fulfillment today because we've never experienced the delight that is found in truly knowing. Now, listen, that He knows you, that He loves you, that He's forgiven you, and that He has a purpose for you. There's delight in knowing that. There's delight, and some of you are missing out on that. Because you've bought into this lie of religiosity instead of having a relationship with him. Jesus is a person. The truth is a person. And he desires to have a relationship with you. Okay. I love what Charles Spurgeon said. He says, you've never truly found Jesus if you don't tell others about him. Man, that's a harsh thing to say. You can't grow a church like that. But if the news is so good, then why don't we tell more people, right? That's what he's saying, that it's good news. All right, final words of encouragement. Number one, when you don't understand, stay steady. I love this one. Isn't that hard for us to stay steady? Listen, man, I've had many conversations with Dale, and I've sit there and go, oh, Dale, I don't know, man. Right? I'd like to tell you spiritual, and it's the other way around, but most of the time it's me. And I'm like, oh, Dale. Oh. <laughs> right? And then when I get off the phone, God's like, I got this. Right? And I'm like, thank you, God, for letting me pout for like an hour. Thank you for friends that will listen. Right? Right? Sometimes I call Matt, do the same thing. Oh, woe is me. Right? Come on. Some of you over-religious people do that too, don't you? Come on. Woe is me, man. And I love God. He's so good that he lets me just throw a pity party, right? But then he reminds me real quick that I got this. And you can stay steady if you will allow my Holy Spirit to empower you to keep running. Because that's really when I get tired is when I I don't allow myself to get refreshed in the Holy Spirit. Now, listen, I'm going to say this, and it's going to scare some people. But I don't want you to take this out of context. This is why I preach the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you preach it as a secondary experience, and you got to do all this crazy stuff or whatever. And if that's you, that's okay. God wants you to do that. Praise God. Here's how I preach it. That we cannot fulfill Acts 1, 
starting around verse 8, and be the witness we need to be unless we are daily asking the promise, the gift that he's given us, the Holy Spirit, to refresh us and to empower us. So we daily need to be baptized in his spirit because his spirit is always going to manifest the works of Jesus in our lives. So some of you quit being scared of the Holy Spirit. Darn it. And ask him to baptize you afresh today in his love. Ask him to baptize you afresh today in the works of Jesus. <laughs> Stop treating him like that relative that you only see at Christmas and Thanksgiving. Right? Because he's part of the Godhead. You can't just have Jesus and no Holy Spirit. I mean, you can, but it's not what he wanted for you. Right? God the Father, God the Son, of the Holy Spirit, 1 John 5, 7, and these three are one. Right? Right, number two, when you, oh, let me read Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. A lot of us miss the love him part. Right? And then we just throw these like, we kind of turn into like a Chinese proverb or something. To those who love him. In other words, if you're in a mess right now, come to Jesus and let him take your mess and use it for your good and for his glory, right? Okay? For those who love him and have been called according to his purpose, who's the author of the purpose? He is. So who knows the, the, the best way for you to achieve that purpose in your life? He does, right? That's why Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking to Jesus, the author, perfecter, finisher, whatever version you have of our faith. The reason we look to Jesus is because he's the one that authored it right? Number two, when you realize God's purpose for your life, you feel empowered. When you feel God's purpose for your life, you feel empowered. Acts 10 38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, there's that word that some of us don't like, the, the name, Holy Spirit, okay? With the Holy Spirit and empower. In other words, wherever the Holy Spirit is and you're anointed or baptized or refreshed, whatever terminology you want to lose there, there is power that is synonymous with the Holy Spirit. What's the power for? To do the things of Jesus. Right? That's what it's for. Right? He went around doing good. In other words, if I'm full of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to go around doing good. If I'm full of Rob, I'm going to go around hurting a lot of people. And we've seen it happen time and time again in many churches across the country. Yes? Just being real. When we become full of ourselves, we hurt people. When we become full of the Holy Spirit, we go around doing good, right? And healing all who were under the power of the devil. I love that part. Listen, man, I still believe Jesus heals today. <laughs> I'm not going to tell God how to be sovereign. Hey, God, I don't know if you can heal this one. But here's the thing. Whether God chooses to heal someone or not, I don't throw a pity party about it. God's a big boy. He can handle it right? We're just called to pray. Yes? Come on. Some of these are challenging things that we talk about, right? Because God was with him. I love that. I love that Jesus is our deity, is our God, but that he just didn't talk it, but he walked it, right? And he was showing us how to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And then the last thing here is when you know God is in control, it's easier to take the next step. This is what I was trying to say in the beginning. Isn't it hard sometimes to move forward 
Or have you ever tried to move forward not knowing if God's really got you or not? Come on, right? We've all been there. But it's easier to move. It, it's when, when you know God is in control, it's easier to take the next step. See, the Christian life, as we said in the beginning, is not based on luck, chance, or faith, but rather in God's sovereignty and his sovereign control, his providence. And the only way we'll discover his, begin to, to understand or just a little bit of his timing is just to get in his word, is to pray and have a relationship with him, okay? See, listen, we can live on purpose. Some of us are not living on purpose. What do I mean by that? We're not living on purpose. We're not his purpose. Some of us are just floating through this thing, man. You ever been to the lazy river before? I love that thing, don't you? The little lazy river, you get on the lane, you're just like chilling, aren't you? That's not what God desires for us in our Christian walk. Some of us, man, just going around that lazy river, man. And today, God is calling you and saying, I'm ready for you to start living on purpose, my purpose that I have for you. Some of you don't have any, feel like you have any value. And here's why, because you're chasing your purpose and so many other things. And he's saying, if you want value and identity, it's right here in front of you. It's in me. Why would you not find identity and value and affirmation in the one whose image you were created in? And we rob ourselves of that because we worship so many other things when we were created to have to find this delight that our minds cannot comprehend when our lives bring him glory. See? Please, man, God's calling some people out of that lazy river today, man. Come on, I'm not hating, I'm not being mean here. What I'm saying is God has a purpose for you. People need you in Lee County. They need you in Mississippi. We need you for those that attend here at Celebration Church to help us proclaim the good news of Jesus. You're needed. I hear people, I don't feel like I'm needed. Really? You're needed. And when you're in that perfect purpose, that's when you begin to discover the value and the identity. Listen, last thing here. Our fulfilling, right, us fulfilling our purpose, this is a hard one, will require us to get out of our comfort zone. And listen, nobody likes this word, so I'm going to try to say it as low as I can. And it may require us to suffer. It's biblical, I'm telling you. Go read the story of Paul. Go read the story of what happened to all the early disciples of Jesus. Go read it sometime and see what happened to them. If I read every one of those testimonies, it would not grow a church very quickly. Some of them went through some horrific things for the glory of Christ. But you know what? They found delight in it because they were fulfilling the purpose that God had given to them. So you're running around this track today? Come on, let Esther scream that to you today. Right? There's a purpose for you. God has a place for you. But are you willing to take the initiative? Are you willing to get out of the lazy river? Are you willing to get out of the boat, so to speak, for his glory? Let's pray. Father, I love you so much, and I thank you for your goodness. Here's the first step.
If you said today, just keep your eyes closed this morning, your heads bowed. Here's the first step today. You're saying, well, how do I find my purpose? This all sounds good, Rob, but how do I find my purpose? Well, here's the first step is relinquishing control of your heart and saying, I'm tired of being my own sovereign. I'm tired of being my own king, and I now submit, I wave the white flag of surrender, and I submit everything at your feet. I give you the keys to the kingdom, and I say, have your way in me. Have your way in me, Jesus. That's the first step. So, Father, that's what I pray today. We thank you for your timing, your perfect timing. We thank you for who you are, that you are good. We thank you, God, that everyone in this place, everyone in the world, you created in your image, you created with a purpose. Actually, your Bible says in Ephesians, God, chapter 1, that you predestined that, that you've ordained that, that we have a purpose in a place in your kingdom, in this life that some of us were born, if not all of us, excuse me, are born for such a time as this. We, there's more to life than just coming to church, God, on Sundays and Wednesdays. You want more for us, and that is to see others come to know your son for your glory and for your name. So right now, ladies and gentlemen, listen. All the hurt right now in this room, would you lay it at the foot of the cross right now? Do it, okay? Right there in your seat. All the hurt laid at the cross. If somebody has hurt you today, come on, Jesus didn't hurt you, friends. Come on, lay it at the foot of the cross right now. Take the initiative to say, God, I'm getting over this hurt. I'm getting over this anger. I'm getting over this frustration. I'm getting over this pain. And I'm laying it at your feet today. And I'm ready to fulfill the purpose that you have for my life. Come on, if it's a relationship thing, give it to God right now. Give it to him. If you're frustrated and you're confused, right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you invade every heart and every mind and that you would renew it. We take every thought captive today according to your word and we stand in the authority of Christ and we speak purpose into the lives of these individuals in this room today. Purpose and destiny. Purpose and destiny. Your purpose, your destiny, God. Come on, whatever's standing in the way of you taking that initiative, whatever's standing in the way of you running after him with everything you got, we declare in the name of Jesus that every chain be broken. Every chain be broken in this place today. Come on, it's not in our own authority and power. I don't have any courage to do those things, but I know the one who will give me the courage to declare those things. And he loves you just as much as he loves me. And he's empowered you just as much as he's empowered me. So right now, just that voice in your mind, you begin to speak to those things. And you say, no more. No more. That I will fulfill the purpose and the destiny that God has for me. Devil, you are a liar. And we serve notice on you today. You have no place in these people's lives, those that are redeemed by the Lord. And we scream today and we declare today that let the redeemed of the Lord say so today, that you are in control of our hearts, that you are in control of our lives. Come on. Give them that purpose. Come on. I I want your purpose. I want to live on purpose. If you don't know Jesus today, listen, I can't give you the words to say, but here's a good place to start. Holy Spirit, would you awaken me to how wicked and evil I am in light of a righteous, perfect, holy God. I'm tired of living on purpose for the world. 
And I'm ready to give my heart and my life to Jesus so I can start living on, with his purpose. Whatever it is, come on. Come on, I know we're running a little bit over, but I just feel like the Lord wants us to camp here. Come on, if that's you today, no more. Do not leave this building today. Come on, if you don't have the courage, then you call on the Holy Spirit to give you that courage. If you don't have the boldness to declare those things, then ask the Holy Spirit to baptize you afresh today and give you the boldness to do those things. We love you, Jesus. Come on, right now, Holy Spirit, do your work. I pray that you baptize every heart in here with your love. Right now, come on, let them love you. Sometimes we won't let them love us. Come on. It's not enough to be transparent, ladies and gentlemen. We have to be vulnerable as well. Holy Spirit, I'm vulnerable to whatever you want to do today. You do it in my life. Transparency is one thing, but being vulnerable is another. Break down every wall, God, that we would put up and that we would keep you away. Break every wall right now. Come on, the walls are coming down for some of you right now. Break every wall right now that we have put up to keep you at a distance. Break every wall, crush every idol, crush everything in our lives that would keep you at a distance, God, in our heart. We give it to you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you sing this song with us today as we get ready to close? Amen.